I got to spend a lot of my early career working with Wall Street and was rewarded for negotiating deals and thinking quickly on my feet and selling multi-million dollar deals to big investors on Wall Street and all around the world globally. So I loved winning. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Enneacast. Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. I'm Sam Stevenson. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and today we continue our journey through the heart triad, and we will be talking about type number three, the achiever. Yes, the successful person, the performer, the yeah, three. Yeah, they get stuff done. Yes. Uh, just a reminder, if you've not yet listened to the Type 3 episode from Season 1, we want to encourage you to go back and listen to it because we're going to be covering a lot of content uh, that could become confusing if you haven't first listened to that episode. All right. Uh, these folks, when they are resourceful, they are efficient. They really enjoy motivating other people. And they are competent. Like, they know their stuff and they know mm -hmm. how to get it done. Yeah. And when threes are non-resourceful, they can become very image conscious and they actually live with a certain level of superficiality and their relationships that they maintain are to better themselves and in service of their own success. Uh, so this season, we're asking the question, how can I change? And before we move to the good news, we first have to acknowledge the bad news. And so here to give you the bad news yet again <laughs> is Sam. Hello. <laughs> OK, so our threes are in the heart triad. And as we know, those in the heart triad have this core struggle of shame and for the three, that shame gives birth to the deadly sin of deceit. Yeah. And especially like the issue of self-deceit, mm. you know, that's like the predominant struggle of the three mm. is, you know, it's not a lot of times is it like outright lying, but it's really just lying to themselves and deceiving themselves. You know, that old phrase like um, you're selling your Kool-Aid, but you're drinking it, too. So let's talk about the top three particular ways that this deadly sin of deceit, especially self-deceit, can manifest for type threes. And we're going to call these the three problems. So let's get started. Problem number one, keeping a narrow focus on goals, achievement, and success rather than on meaningful relationships. So in other words, threes just focus on like the next goal, the next achievement, the next thing that they're going to get done, the next task. So what happens is like the emotional or relational needs of those close to them, they become hindrances to yeah. like their to-do list, like yeah. all these uh, relationships and all these feelings, like they are slowing me down. Yeah, they can blow past their relationships, especially those around them that may be a little bit more slower paced without even realizing it. Yeah. And so like the needs of those around them, like, you know, when it gets really bad, become useful in some way to their personal agenda. Like, oh, this person has this need and this need and this need. How can I weave that into my personal goals or leverage those things so that they see me favorably? Yeah. And so when this happens, they begin to confuse their goals and their ideas as more meaningful than the people in their life. Yeah. It's a real struggle for folks. Yeah. So that's uh, problem number one. Problem two, creating and maintaining a specific image in order to be accepted. 
So they believe that they are more valued by people in their life because of their success rather than their substance. So, yeah, I'll become what I have to become in order to uh, to be accepted right. or to achieve. Exactly. And so, in other words, they the world becomes like this stage where they have to perform because no one will applaud if or even show up if I'm not on stage, if I'm not doing uh, what I've what I've been trained to do, what I've been made to do. Yeah. So threes have this really amazing gift of contextualization, but then it like becomes this exaggerated adaptation where they just become whatever is necessary in order to to close the deal. Yeah, they lose them their sense of self in the process of that, and so it's really hard for them to get off the stage, quote unquote, because yeah. to risk. That, you know, to stop performing is to risk rejection or abandonment, because if if I'm not achieving, if I'm not CEO or top of the line, like, who am I? Like, who am I apart from what I've done? So problem number three is avoiding feelings by constantly doing. So in other words, like threes just stay busy, like always moving towards various goals, because when they slow down, they're faced with feelings that it triggers their shame. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to feel shame. No. So if I just stay busy and I'm always kind of pushing the ball forward, then I don't ever have to acknowledge or feel my shame. Well, and too, like to not be busy or to not get everything done, that can be embarrassing. So I think threes may not recognize shame immediately, but I do think they feel embarrassment. And they can live with the assumption that the only way to handle that shame and the embarrassment is by just keep going, keep checking things off, keep trying, keep striving. Yeah, but like the good news is that God invites the three to experience their feelings and to have their shame healed. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the good news. So threes are in the heart triad. The predominant emotion of the heart triad is the issue of shame, that feeling of being defective. Well, what is the remedy for shame, for feeling defective? It is God's delight. It is realizing that God delights in you and loves you, not you on the stage, not you when you get, you know, the big promotion at work, Mm -hmm. um, not you when you get the bonus, not you when you close the deal. Like the Lord loves you at the end of the day when you come home, whether you've had the best day or the worst day. So when God the Father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, Mm -hmm. like he is saying that to you also as a three because you are in Christ and uh, and he sees you with all the the beauty and the love and the doting of of a of a father that yeah. is just like smitten with his kids. God didn't say, "This is my son who's done all these great miracles. Look at how good he is. Look how much I like him." You know, it's this is my son. Like I like he belongs to me, and I'm I'm very happy about this. And so for the three, like if if you all can get to a place where you allow God's delight to heal your shame, then that's going to help you move from a posture of image making to a posture of honesty. So Psalm 145 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. Mm, That's good. So let's explore what living a life of honesty and truth looks like for type three. Right now, we're going to take those three primary ways that the deadly sin manifests itself for this type that we just talked about. And now we're going to explore specific ways that God is inviting us out of our false self and into our true self in Christ. So we're going to look at each problem again and then offer three solutions for that problem. And we've adapted a large portion of this teaching from Beatrice Chestnut's The Complete Enneagram, but we've infused it with Christian theology. And just to note, like there's going to be um, like a lot of ideas in what we're about to say, a lot of tips, way more than you're ever going to be able to memorize. So just pick a couple things and focus on those. Mm-hmm. And then as you're ready, just re-listen to this list sometime in the future. Okay, so Sam, I made you say the bad news. So I will also give you the opportunity to go first and 
like give good advice. I like that. <laughs> so problem one, keeping a narrow focus on goals, achievement and success rather than on meaningful relationships. So the first solution for this problem is learn to see failure as a means of knowing your true self. And I know that Freeze have probably heard that before, but failure is a good thing. It wakes us up to reality and it reveals our need for God. Yeah. And the great lie, though, of the three is people love me because of my successes. Yeah. And the failure reminds us of this. When you fail and then you like go to the people close to you and you're like, here's the thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And they embrace you and they love you and they accept you. You're like. Oh my gosh, oh, I've been living really? a lie. Yeah. Like they love me just as I am. So failure reminds us that we live by God's grace and not by all of our self-made achievements. So the second solution is redefine your idea of success. So many threes live by the idea that success means the American dream. Mm -hmm. Success means getting the promotion. Success means getting in front of everyone and sounding really competent. Redefine that. Redefine your success to mean life with God. Does God delight in you? And mm -hmm. if he delights in you, like that is success. Because here's the thing. If we look at the life of Jesus, was he successful? He lived in poverty. Mm -hmm. um, he wandered around the countryside. <laughs> he was ultimately, you know, killed, you know, in, yeah. an, in an unjust way. Like these are all not successful things. Right. And yet... No one was more successful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Finally, the third solution is notice what or who gets left behind when you're only focused on your goals. So Richard Rohr says that a major pitfall for threes is the issue of vanity. And what he means by that is um, threes have the tendency to make uh, secondary external things more important than necessary things like relationships and people. Yeah, I feel like it's important for threes to ask themselves, like, notice what your goals are asking you to sacrifice. Mm. You know, are these people and things you truly want to sacrifice? Is the payoff really going to be worth the pain of the loss of these relationships and the substance of these relationships? Yeah. So those are some of the solutions for problem number one. So let's talk about problem number two. Problem number two is creating and maintaining a specific image in order to be accepted. So the first solution is ask yourself, do I focus on this because it's important to me or because it's important to others? That basically is just this, like you feel the need to set goals and to have achievements and to figure out the next thing on your to-do list. Like it's a natural part of your wiring. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are not aware and conscious and thoughtful about it, you will very quickly fill your to-do list with things that are primarily about pleasing and impressing other people instead of it coming from a place of like your personal deep convictions. Yeah. Uh, again, Richard Rohr says, you throw yourself into work or projects as your identity. You've learned that you are what you do. So I think that's the great lie of the three is that they are what they do, but that's just like not true. Yeah. Three is like you are not what you do. Mm -hmm. Like there is a part of who you are that has nothing to do with your function in the world and that you are loved by God permanently and has nothing to do with your achievements. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so the second solution, uh, learn the difference between actions motivated by maintaining an image and actions motivated by real needs. So all of us can kind of fall into like this default, like we call it like autopilot mode for all of our personalities kind of have this this 
natural way of relating that lives left unchecked is our default. So for threes, if you're on autopilot, you may end up doing things because you enjoy how it makes you look, not because it matches your actual convictions. So it's important for threes to remember uh, this verse in Matthew. In chapter six, verse two, he says, whenever you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, they've already gotten everything that they want. What they wanted was to be praised and to be applauded for. And again, like it was the needs of another person Mm -hmm. was serving their personal agenda instead of them going, I really want to meet this person's needs. Yeah. So there will be no heavenly reward for that because all you've you just got the earthly reward, which is like trumpets at the synagogue or whatever. That that's a fleeting thing. Yeah, yeah. Ask yourself, slow down enough to ask yourself when you're doing something, why am I doing this? Mm. And um and then do the best that you can to to give. Is it going to be a marred gift? Probably. Is it going to like have, you know, dents and scratches and mixed motivations? Yes. But do the best that you can to give from a genuine place and to do it away from the spotlight. Finally, the third solution, discover who you are apart from your image. Here's what that means. Cultivate an area of your life that is 100% off the stage. Mm. It has nothing to do with how others others are going to see you. It has nothing to do with how you're going to be perceived. It's not something that you share publicly. It is yours in private that has nothing to do with uh, the public eye. Yeah, I think it's important here to remember that threes already struggle with the issue of secrecy. And so that's not the goal here. We're not asking you to deceive and to keep things from people. The goal is to understand the difference between performance and authenticity. Yeah. I think a great question for threes to ask themselves is this, what would I do with my time if no one was watching me? If there was no audience at all, what would I do with my time? Yeah. And whatever the answer to that is, there's a good chance that is your true self calling out to go to go forward and to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's good. Okay, that's problem number two. Let's move on to problem three. So problem three, avoiding feelings by constantly doing. So the first solution for this is prevent a breakdown by starting to work on yourself now. In other words, don't wait until your life falls apart to actually do the internal work. You know, I think it's important for threes to cultivate an internal world now instead of later when when it's too late, you know. Yeah, I've heard uh, somebody say that uh, there's two things in life that change us, prayer and pain. Mm. And what we're basically getting at here is like, threes, don't wait for the pain. Yeah, that Like, is don't wait advice. for it to get worse. You know, yeah. begin to do that work now. You know, yeah. cultivate, cultivate your relationship with the Lord. Cultivate your relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. Cultivate your relationship with yourself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and begin to do that work now because whatever we don't deal with, it does. It does come anywhere. out eventually. Yeah, like it's, not, it's not like it's going to just slowly disappear. Like yeah. it, it's going to get bigger. Yeah. And so deal deal with that monster now. You know, James one says, "Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything." And then he goes on. He says, "If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you." So we know and we understand that uh, that doing the work is hard. The good news is the Lord's going to finish that work. And the good news is he's going to give you all the wisdom you need to get through it. Mm, Uh, The second solution is value your feelings. You know, value your feelings, not not uh, just your positive feelings, not just the feelings that, you know, are going to sit well with others, like all your feelings. Pay attention to your feelings. 
God gave us the gift of emotions. We want to honor and utilize them. And as I just said a second ago, like they're going to come out one way or the other. Right. Uh, they can come out in a really destructive, unhealthy way, or they can come out in a way that is in a healthy hobby. and helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just find a hobby. Do something you enjoy. Um, not something you have to do. Not something that you're going to, you know, make a creation and sell it on Etsy or whatever. Like do something for fun that has no relational consequences, that's life-giving. And make time you actually put that in your schedule for that activity. It will probably help you acknowledge and express your emotions. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the third solution is practice being still. So, threes, you guys need silence and solitude with no one around, no one watching, no applause, no feedback. You know, if you're if you're taking time to meditate, don't post an inspirational caption about it on Instagram. Just yeah, like, like don't be one of those Instagram people that's like, I'm doing my quiet time now. Yeah, like take your phone, put it somewhere else, go out, read it, come back in, don't tell anybody about it, you know? A lot of times the scriptures will talk about like, go into your prayer closet. I'm like, who has a prayer? I think threes need a prayer closet. Yeah. Like the secret place that like doesn't get shared with anybody. That's good. Um, so just, just find that, that space in that place that has nothing to do with the stage. Um, where you're able to go and to just be still. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some people will go so far as like they'll take a social media fast. Yeah. Social media is like the crack of, you know, <laughs> of like three's addiction because it's just like, oh, my gosh, look at all this like affirmation and stage stuff. So take time away from that um, and, and be reminded of your actual real relationships that you can reach out and touch. That's good. Well, when we come back, we'll be talking with life and business coach. Jennifer Nickel. Stay with us. Here at LTN, we believe that in order to be loved, you must be known. And part of being known means understanding who you are, which is why we created Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Mapping Your Enneagram Story is a workbook to help you map your life story and understand who you are. Using the lens of the Enneagram, you'll explore how the story you've lived has made you into who you are and why Jesus is the key to living a better story. To get your own copy of Mapping Your Enneagram Story, just go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. There you'll find Mapping Your Enneagram Story plus all our other Enneagram content. And all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click store. Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Find the clarity you need to have meaningful, long-lasting relationships. Hey, welcome back to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Our guest today is Jennifer Nickel. She's a founding board member with Love Thy Neighborhood and our former chairman of the board. Previously, she was a director of marketing for Aegon, where she launched their offices in Dublin, Ireland. Jennifer is now a life and leadership coach with JLN Consulting, and she's a type three on the Enneagram. And she also happens to be one of my favorite people to collaborate and conspire with. So, hey, Jen. Hello. Glad to be here. Yeah, we are glad to have you. Uh, yeah, when we were talking about this episode, we were like, who are some type three? And we were all like, Jen Nickel. Mm -hmm. Like, we have got to yeah. get Jen to come into the studio with us. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, <laughs> this will be fun. This'll it's be fun. good. It's good. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's let's just like jump in. So let's let's talk a little bit about like the the three specific problems that we went through uh, earlier. So problem number one is keeping a narrow focus on goals, achievement, and success rather than on meaningful relationships. How have you seen this show up in your life? Well, I think um, I got to spend a lot of my early career working with Wall Street and was re rewarded for negotiating deals 
some in cutthroat circumstances, you mm-hmm. know, and thinking quickly on my feet and selling multi-million dollar deals to big investors and on Wall Street and all around the world globally. Mm-hmm. So I loved winning and I loved working with the team of people I worked with to get it done. But those types of um, those those skills or those gifts, that harshness that's involved, mm-hmm. um, you don't you don't win with those in mm-hmm. marriage or in um, relationships. So I felt the the pull in me to be drawn toward the success and realized and and really just had the opportunity to make a big transition in my life when I had children. And um, and I and I found out the hard way at home, you know, those those um, ignoring the relationship um, and just winning isn't um, is not successful mm-hmm. with people and in marriage and with your family. But I got to experience some of each and uh, and see the difference and feel the difference. Yeah, like profit and business growth are great in the corporate world. But they don't mean a whole lot in a marriage. They don't. Or in your closest certainly. friendships yeah. or in parenting. They mean nothing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, ask anybody and they'd say, I'd rather be poor and happy rather than be wealthy and miserable. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk more, I guess, um, you know, the three struggles with deceit and um, the God's invitation is to embrace a life of truth. And so... Um, Can you talk a little bit more about what that process has been like for you, Um, not only to be truthful, you know, before the Lord, but to be truthful with yourself and with others? As I look back on my life, I've seen um, the Lord inviting me into Mm -hmm. failure and therefore growth Mm -hmm. um, repetitively, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, I think he's continued to bring me through those seasons and will continue to. Mm to make sure that my dependency is on him and um, and not on myself and to remind me, you know, to humble me and to remind me that I'm doing life with him and that he is ultimately in control. Early on in our marriage, uh, Mark and I had been married for four years and, you know, I had tried to set it up perfectly with lots of years of dating. We were high school sweethearts, mm-hmm. you know, just checking off all the plans that I had made, you know, falling into place. Now, it didn't go without hiccups here and there, of course, but I hadn't really experienced real tragedy until that whole uh, glass house came crashing down and um, our marriage just absolutely fell to pieces. And so, Really, that was a defining moment in my adult life Mm -hmm. where the Lord just completely tore down all the plans and the success and the pretty little relationship we thought we had or we had at least on the outside and other people's expectations of us, our friends, our parents, our church families, um, it all it all fell apart. And um, and we weren't sure if we were going to be um, continue on in the marriage or not and went through a long period um, of uncertainty there. And during that time, that is when um, that's the first real time in my life that my faith was put to the test. And in that brokenness is when I just said, okay, God, this is a mess. I cannot see a way out of this. Um, And a very wise mentor, Christian mother in my life, um, said to me, if you could do it, Jen, you wouldn't need God. Mm. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll just give him a try and see what he can do with this mess. You know, is wow. he this? Is he that strong? Is he that powerful 
can he put these pieces back together? Do I even want this marriage? Um, so I went to him in all of my brokenness and with all of my questions. And as my mom says, you can't go around it. You just have to go through it. Mm. Um, and that is very true. And so I just sat in it and went through it, as did Mark. And the Lord put all of those broken pieces back together in ways we never, ever expected. And there's something that it's life is all the richer and, you know, I'm sure your marriage is even more beautiful because of the brokenness. And it's like a weird mystery of life that yeah. you go through these certain tragedies or these losses or these moments where you're like, everything's about to burn down. And then the redemption that comes makes it all yeah. the sweeter. Right. Yeah. Right. And I've, I, we've experienced that in our marriage um, and letting my corporate career go. Um, that certainly was something I was wanted to do, but grieved. Because yeah. my identity went out the window mm -hmm. in a bigger way than I realized. Mm -hmm. You know, I stepped off the stage. Mm -hmm. um, and a good hard thing. Good hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about problem number two. Okay. So problem number two is creating and maintaining a specific image in order to be accepted. So how have you seen this show up in your life? Yeah, I well, it goes back to the um, what we were just talking about stepping off of the career stage. I have wonderful parents and they guided me through choosing a major and a minor and I never veered for the from those and then launched into a career that very much mirrored the career path my mom had taken mm -hmm. and um and they were so proud they're so proud of their girls and um really living into that and receiving you know their knowing they were so proud um felt really really good and then after 13 years of that, and when we were when Mark and I were finally able to have children, um, walking away from my career was um, that that was that was hard for that was hard to walk away from what I knew my parents were so proud of, what mm -hmm. I was proud of, what I had done my whole adult life. Because you're known as Jen, this businesswoman, yes. Jen, this right. successful, like that you had all of these, you had right. this track. History. I was really yeah. comfortable in my business suits and my business cards and even business cards in different languages. Um, very independent. When Mark and I got married, I didn't really know how to cook. He's always been the head chef. I told him I didn't know if I'd ever want to have children. You know, just very, uh, you know, I was trying to be my version of what I had in my head as this modern woman, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. um, and so that specific image was something that I was really living into and trying to maintain but on the other hand, it's all I knew. Yeah. You know, it was just, it just naturally came out of me. It was I wasn't your normal. Really, it was my normal. I yeah. wasn't trying. It was it who I was. Conscious, it yeah. wasn't a conscious image making. It was like, this is the script. This is what I'm doing. Right. I'm it's playing just, the role. It's Why just the path my the career yeah. developed. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I really enjoyed it. But mm -hmm. I knew if we ever had children, I wanted a different work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the flexibility to raise them. Um, and so when it when Mark and I got to the point where I could do that, stepping away was much harder than I thought it would be. And I remember talking to my boss and mentor at Aegon on the phone after Annalise was born, our first daughter, um, and crying. And he said, Jen, you just need to enjoy this. Enjoy being a mom. Like, just enjoy this time. And I cried. I said, I can't. I know I should. You know, I felt this pressure now to be this joyful stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And I didn't even know. I didn't know what that role looked like. 
And I really didn't like it that I didn't have job reviews and objectives and bonuses. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was a tough, tough. I again, I chose it. But it was a very difficult transition. Yeah. And I, and then you realize when you walk away, you realize how much of your own identity is tied up in a role. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, uh, I guess, connect the dots then from that moment um, to, I guess, when you made the shift to uh, how you and Jesse met, which is like working in a homeless shelter? What was, yeah, for those of us, including myself, who kind of don't know what that transition initially was for you, can you kind of catch us up on on some of that backstory? Sure. Sure. So... As part of my career at Aegon in international business, we relocated, as Jesse mentioned, to Dublin, Ireland, lived there for four years and came back to Louisville. And when I came back, my company thought I should do a, a leadership Louisville program mm-hmm. called Ignite Louisville. And part of that leadership development, they poured into us, but we had to go out in teams into the community and find a nonprofit that was struggling and that Mm -hmm. needed us. And my team at that time partnered with a homeless shelter. They were about to close their doors and were really open to a group of young professionals coming in and joining their board and doing fundraisers Mm -hmm. and helping them turn the corner and continue to offer their services. And so I got involved there and did special events and fundraising. And I'm I'm happy to say they're thriving now beyond uh, what I ever um, did for them. But in that Because of the life I had lived, I guess because of seeing all the wealth in in the world and working in financial services like I did, um, but also then seeing, feeling the brokenness that I had experienced in my own life, I just really had a deep desire in that season of my life to um, do something very gritty and granular and real and not sexy. And so... um, I found it to be a place where I could really make a difference and work with a team to mm-hmm. um, to really transition this nonprofit from close to death to back to life, um, but also impact people's lives when they were broken and at the at some of the lowest points of their lives and help them transition um, too. So the authenticity of that really was attractive to me. And mm-hmm. so I worked and volunteered and was staffed for one year um, at the homeless shelter. And then I saw Jesse's work at another shelter and uh, really admired what he was doing and just reached out and said, can I come yeah. and just kind of network? So yeah. that's how we connected. And here you guys are now. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. 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 And it was a pretty fast connection for both of us. Like, yeah. I think we we both connected very well, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let, let me talk about this. So Back to question number two about, yeah, problem number two, like maintaining an image in order to be accepted. You know, Jen, as you look at the solutions that we proposed, which of those solutions would you like to put to use more in your own life? Maybe it's something you're starting to put to to use or you haven't yet put to use, but like which one are you like, yeah, I, I, I need to do that? I think the first one, asking myself the question, do I focus on this because it's important to me or because it's important to others? And I think that's something I have to uh, keep in check because I want to please others. Like, you know, my career pleased me, but it also pleased my parents. And it was terribly hard to walk away from it personally, but to disappoint them, you know. And so Mm -hmm. I have to be careful with um, what I get involved with now and just keep myself um, honest about is this for me? Is this somebody else's idea or plan for my life? Um, is it what my parents want? Is it what my husband wants? Is it what my uh, peer group thinks I should be doing? Um, or is it really um, is it really something that I that I want to do? And pausing 
along enough to think about it instead of getting swept up in what's going on around yeah. me. Like instead of doing the automated responses, actually going, hold on, I'm going to ask myself this question yeah. and I'm really going to try to answer it. Yes. And now that I have my answer, I'm going to try to stick to my guns. Sure. Because really my initial thought, I think I know my answer, but when I think and pray about it, it's often different. And so taking the time to be honest, keep yourself in check and be very, you have to be very intentional about your time, with your time. So deciding to say yes to the things that are life-giving and that the Lord has brought into my life and no to the things that I may really not have time for um, or that maybe are just somebody else's agenda and not mine. Yeah, life's full of a lot of good things. The, the, yeah. the, the, the trick is choosing the best things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Finally, let's talk about problem number three. Uh, which is avoiding feelings by constantly doing. Does that resonate with you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> My children would say it does. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mama how does that how do does that show way. up? I always have a to-do list, you know, and well, but here's an example. I mean, I certainly always have a to-do list, but um, Mark and I were, uh, we try to be intentional and take a weekend a year where we reflect on the prior year and plan for the year coming and pray. And we hold those plans loosely. We know things don't always go according to plan. But that was that's a time when um, we just share in general about how we're doing. And we were at breakfast one morning and Mark said, how are you doing? And I gave a long, honest answer about how all these different parts of my life we're going and how I felt about those areas um, and talked for a long time. And he listened intently. And then at the end of that, he said, you know, all that makes sense. And I appreciate you sharing it with me. But you did not answer my question about how hmm. you are. Yeah. Hmm. Did and you I answer thought, in tasks? I'm sure I did. Did you answer? Because sure you, gave him, you basically gave him updates on everything. Updates yeah. on, on all the project plans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For everything. I, I have a really strong three wing and Lindsay's number one complaint. And when she goes, I ask you how your day was and you tell me your series of accomplishments, objectives, tasks <laughs> and the frustrations you encountered in those. Right. But you fail to say how you felt about it or, you know, where you are personally with those things. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, really? I thought that I answered the question. She's like, no, you definitely did not. You definitely mm-hmm. did not. You caught right. me up yeah. on what you did today, but you did not reflect on yeah, not how the, same the implications of the day. Right. And that's always like, how are you? Is like, like, how are you dealing with whatever's yeah. happening? Yeah. Which is always hard. I think it's, it's that's always question two. You yeah, know, You right. always have to kind of get through that, yeah. that task update. Sure. Yeah. So, so what does it look like for you to value your feelings then? Uh, well, when he pressed me to answer, I said... We're sitting here at breakfast, and I don't want to answer you because I'm going to cry. And he said, you go right ahead and cry. Mm. This is the time, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to cry when the server's bringing us food. And he was like, go ahead, you know. And so when I really share how I'm feeling, you know, oftentimes those tears come, and I don't want to lose composure or or sometimes I don't want to face it. He said, this is the time. Like, this is, it's, it's not another time. It's not a deal with it later thing. Like, this is, if you need to cry, this is the time to cry. Mm-hmm. It's okay that we're in public. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Good. Go ahead. Yeah. Answer really, the question, Jen. Yeah. You know, and then I have to take a deep breath and, yeah. and do it. And I'm always glad I did. Well, and here's the thing, right? So if you open up and you express all these things and you let, like, the hidden stuff out, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes things that are hidden from ourselves, right? Like, that's sure. kind of almost the scariest part is... Sure. I might start crying because I don't know what's going to come out. Mm -hmm. And then the other person totally lovingly just receives us and we go, 
this is how God feels about me. Mm -hmm. Like it's like this relational mirror to this moment where we go, this is what God thinks about me. Like he loves me and accepts me like this other person is. But we don't, we're terrified to go there. And so we say like, oh, we love the gospel. It's such good news, you know, but we... We're terrified to open up and because we're like, maybe I'll get rejected. Mm-hmm. But those moments give us clear indicators like, nope, God totally accept us. Yeah. He can take it. He, he can, can take, take it. it. You know, just he'll meet you where you are. Um, he created you. There's nothing too big or too ugly or too heavy. Yeah. And the saying that is one thing. Believing it is another, but like living it is a whole other step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been good. Yeah. It's also been heavy. So let's go be ridiculous. All right. When we come back, we'll be playing What's Your Number with Jennifer Nickel. Stay with us. In today's episode of the Enneacast, we're exploring type number three, the achiever. These folks are so gifted at getting things done. They often set goals and they often become successful. But with success comes the risk of loving things more than people. And to that end, we want to encourage you to go check out our other podcast, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And especially, make sure to check out episode number 17, where the gospel meets wealth. What's the subject? We're going to talk about your money. Well, I got plenty of it, so (laughs) that works out. And I thought, that is crazy. That one year is more than I would had thought I would make in a lifetime. Money, many people think that money is, is a status symbol. If there's other people that are wealthy in Christian community... I don't know it. I mean, it's not something you talk about all the time. Subscribe to the Love That Neighborhood podcast wherever it is that you subscribe to podcasts or head over to lovethyneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. Welcome back to the Indiecast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And we are about to play What's Your Number? Okay, so our game today is called What's Your Number? And this is based off a real game by the company Player 10. Uh, you can find What's Your Number by going to player10.com. You can also buy it on Amazon. Okay, so here's how you play. Jen, I'm going to read you a card, and then you're going to rank what is on that card from 1 to 10. Okay. 1 meaning that you absolutely despise it. 10 meaning that you love it. And you're going to keep the number to yourself. So, don't, so don't tell us. Okay. Yeah. Then Sam and I are each going to try to guess what number we think that you've ranked this thing. And we'll take turns guessing out loud. Uh, And the rule is that we can't pick the same number. And after we've each taken a guess, you will then reveal what number you chose. And whoever guessed the closest gets a point. Are you ready, Sam? I'm ready. Okay, Sam, you're going to get to guess first. So you're going to guess one through ten. You ready? Okay, so Jen, we're going to give you, here's your prompt, reality TV. So one, you hate it. Ten, you love it. Sam, go first. I think she might like it. I'm going to say six. There's a spectrum of reality TV. There is. So there's like Kardashian, like Jersey Shore kind of reality TV. But then there's like uh, home improvement stuff, like DIY, you Mm -hmm. know. So there is a spectrum of, Property Brothers. Right, right. Okay. Quality entertainment. But I think Jen is a fan of it. What did you, what was your answer? I said six, but I think I'm going to go with seven on this one. I'm going to go with 
eight. I think that when Jen is home and she has the opportunity to watch something, I do think she like loves like mm-hmm. home decor because I've been to your house. I think mm-hmm. you like home decor shows like uh, what's Joanna Gaines thing? Fixer Upper. Fixer Upper. I think oh, things right. like Fixer Upper. Okay. So, Jen, what is your answer? I think I'm settled on four. Oh, it's low. All right. Sam got one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. So, I mean, right. I like some tidying up. I like home organization. Mm-hmm. But home decor is not my gift. I have friends. The thing about those types of shows is that it has a very clear beginning, middle, and end. Like, you kind of know where it's going. It's yes. very almost efficient in its production. Yes. So, but I reality thought, TV yeah. with dramatic no relationships unscripted, are yeah. not my mm-hmm. idea of yeah. fun to I watch. Okay. Telling someone they look nice when you don't truly believe it. Ooh. Telling someone they look nice when you don't truly believe it. And I get to go first. And here's what I think. I think you don't like it, but I totally think you do it. <laughs> and wow. I'm going to say oh, no. I'm going to say a 4. I don't think mm. you like it, but I do think you practice it sometimes. Man, I was also Which makes that. me feel insecure because now I'm thinking of all the times you told me that I looked nice right. that day. Right, it should. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you say that? Yeah. I'm going to say three because I don't think Jen would do that. You don't think Jen would do that? <laughs> well, I was going to say four, but I can't. And I She's don't think lower. it would be five or above, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go under. You're telling three. me, okay, so if like a woman walks in, she got like a crazy new haircut, and uh, I would f- like the woman's like stoked about it, mm-hmm. but Jen's like, mm-mm, like she it would, doesn't look I, right. But like women, we would compliment something else i think we'd say like oh we like your shirt your shoes your bag your jewelry like it may not be the thing i don't understand women yeah i think she's right yeah we would find something so what's your number i'd say two i'm not saying i don't ever do it but i if somebody had new hair and it didn't look awesome but clearly it's a big change yeah i would say you have new hair (laughs) i mean i say that like i yeah they but you would re- withhold w- the compliment. Right. <laughs> it's, an igno- it's, it's an omission. A, it's an enthusiastic <laughs> acknowledgement. That's what it is. Right here. That's or so funny. Or, or do you like it? Dude, that's, that's like, just like so clever because it totally comes with the enthusiasm makes yeah. it sound like a compliment, Girls, but it's not. I'm not saying it's the right thing, but if that's Jen what I do. If Jen acknowledges your hair, beware. Beware. <laughs> it's an enthusiastic acknowledgement. Yeah, masked. <laughs> Dude, lady politics are hard. Right. Yeah. It's sneaky. It's, it's sneaky. So sneaky out here. Like, there are times where women will say something, my wife will go, did you hear that? I'll go, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. It's another language. It is. It's yeah. an unspoken culture. Sorry, okay. Jesse. All right, third question. No shave November. No shave November. For not men for, or women. Right. <laughs> not are we for, talking not about for armpits? You. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what are we talking about? We'll go men. Let's just go. We'll go dudes. <laughs> let's okay. keep this. We'll just go. Let's just keep it simple. Okay. Yeah, so uh, no shave November for fellas. Sam, what do you think? Does she love it or hate it? So no shave for a month. Um, I'm going to say that she is probably mostly indifferent about it. I don't know, like, Mark, like, if you participate. So it's hard for mm-hmm. me to, to say that. But I'm. I'm going to say four because I don't know that she has mm-hmm. strong opinions on it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark is a very dapper man. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, is, he is a very stylish. Mark is a stylish man. Um, and I think it's like if Mark went four weeks without shaving and he had like neck beard. <laughs> and, you know, in Mark's scenario, like he shaves his head bald. So we're also talking like all that's coming back. <laughs> so So I'm just saying... It would not be a good look. Okay. And Mark knows that, so Mark wouldn't do that. But 
if he did, like if it was like but it's not just Castaway him. Mark, okay. like he's on a desert island. <laughs> She's like, it's not. Then I think Jim would husband. love her husband, but mm-hmm. she would not be happy about it. And she would be like, as soon as we can get you a razor, all the better. So I am saying like two. I think she would dislike this it. That's true. You've talked me down to a one, actually. Yeah. In that whole description. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of, of facial hair, but tidy, yes. Mm-hmm. Tidy hair. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, when we got to the question about men, I did okay. Yeah. Outside of that, Sam, congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to end each episode this season by asking our guest questions from our listeners. So we're going to do that now. Okay, so the first question uh, comes from an anonymous listener. What helps a three get in touch with their deeper identity and more meaningful priorities in life? So what do you, what do you think for you? Slowing down, getting up early to have quiet time to think and pray. Even in the car, uh, just giving my brain time to settle down <laughs> and rest, uh, which means um, – Maybe not listening to a podcast or music or um, having some quiet. Um. So basically, I mean, everything you're saying is like not in the doing. It's not in the doing. Mm-hmm. It's all about slowing down, having quiet. And the other thing you're talking about is space away from people because you read the agendas of people so strongly. Does that feel fair to say? I think so. Um, it's hard to shut off if I'm with anyone. Yeah. And just being willing to look inside, you know, um, and think about that deeper identity. And like you, you mentioned the verse in James, praying for wisdom, you know, asking the Lord to reveal, to reveal that to me very personally and what that, that identity is and then resting in that. Yeah. Um, next question. What can someone with uh, not a lot of three do to increase their efficiency and productivity? Yeah, maybe maybe spending some time with someone who who has more of that, more of a three or a three wing and really looking at their life and maybe setting some goals and talking about a few steps you can take to get there, um, maybe implementing some different systems into your life, certainly taking a look at your own life and then who does have, who in your, in your life has some of those gifts. Yeah. And I think that like any good plan, you know, if you want to, if you want to accomplish something, uh, make a plan and do it in community. And so I think, like, if you don't have a lot of three, then to Jen's point, like, you need to get around folks that have it because there's plenty of gifts like all of us do not possess. We just we don't we're not we don't use those tools like the Lord's given us those opportunities. We don't we don't put them to good use. And so what happens, though, is that we get around people that are good at those things. And basically it starts out as like play acting, like we're mimicking what these other people do. And it totally feels pretend like we're faking it. But there's a little bit of like healthy faking it like we're trying it out until until we get there so so yeah if you don't have a lot of three go hang out with somebody that does watch the way that they live and it doesn't mean that you have to do everything that they do but it does mean hopefully you're going to absorb some of their their you know productivity and efficiency um because the lord made us to work like work existed before the fall you know we're made we're made to have goals we're made to accomplish things we are made uh to labor towards things that are good um, the Lord is, you know, is a God who works, and we want to reflect that. And so it's a good godly trait we want to pursue. And for um, 
to your point, we all have different gifts. And that's something I've struggled with. I want to have everybody's gifts. But I just have had to settle into my own, you know. And I need to be around people who are joyful and fun and take life easy and show rub off on me to, you know, why don't you laugh and play and just be, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so I need them and they need me. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, Jen, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it's been fun having you on. It is fun. Yeah. And thanks for, for being so honest with uh, with us and with our listeners. I know that's going to mm-hmm. help a lot of folks. Sure, good. Mm-hmm. I hope so. And it's good to think and reflect, and it's healthy mm-hmm. for all mm-hmm. of us. Yeah, so yeah. thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you to our guest today, Jennifer Nickel. Also, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry, who trained Sam and I in the Enneagram to learn more about Crosspoint or to attend one of their amazing retreats. Visit crosspointministry.com. Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or for a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Today's episode was produced by myself, Sam Stevenson, and Rachel Zabo. Engineering and editing by Rachel Zabo. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Mm-hmm.